Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of workshops on self-development and sexuality in Australia. My name is Rog. Today, I want to share with you some ideas on how to have an altered states date. From a psychological perspective, an altered state is a state of mind that is different from whatever you regard as your normal. Uh, It means that the way your mind is working or the way you're feeling is somehow different and also that you can't immediately get back to whatever your normal is. Uh, Sometimes you can be in an altered state for no apparent reason, uh, but sometimes there's an obvious cause like insomnia, that'll do it big time, or um, heavy anxiety or the experience of being madly in love with someone, or being triggered from a strong psychological experience, and so on. You are also, of course, putting yourself in an altered state when you consume alcohol or other drugs, and that's what we're talking about today. Uh, Specifically, we're talking about the use of the illegal drug MDMA, for the purposes of getting into an altered state with a partner and having what I call an altered states date. I am not proposing that you do this. I am not suggesting or recommending that you take an illegal drug. Uh, Rather, I am discussing this because I know that plenty of people are already experimenting with MDMA or are going to, uh, but they're not necessarily doing so in the safest or the most appropriate ways uh, in order to get what they're after. I want to stress I am no kind of trained expert on drugs or addictions, uh, but I do have some ideas about MDMA and intimacy. So as to provide something vaguely resembling a balanced perspective, I reached out to four people with relevant expertise So that includes a medical doctor, a counsellor slash social worker, a counsellor with specific training in MDMA-assisted therapy, and a lawyer. Uh, Before I deliver you my ideas on how to have an altered state state, I'm first going to include uh, the comments from one of the counsellors and the lawyer. Um, After that, we'll play my main recording for you and then look at the comments from the other counsellor and the GP. So, I asked my lawyer if it was a good idea for me to release this episode or not, um, in what is really just the most recent in a very long list of strange questions I've asked this particular lawyer over the years, uh, given my line of work and all the weird stuff that I do and talk about. Um, They said in no uncertain terms that I should not release this episode because admission that I've used an illegal drug uh, could be used against me should I ever find myself in court for any reason. Uh, While it's unlikely that the police are going to knock my door down in the short term, Hey you, you're under arrest for having more than your fair share of fun. We've finally got you. Um... He said it is nevertheless an unwise move. Um, Obviously, I'm choosing to ignore that advice. Um, I think my lawyer is right in what he says, uh, but I think there are more things other than just myself to think about. Um, I think that the absence of information on drugs, uh, just like the absence of information on sex, 
uh, tends to lead people to bad decisions and bad outcomes. Yeah, I guess if I ever find myself defending this episode in a court of law, I hope that the judge understands that there is a genuine motivation of care for the community here, rather than a flagrant disregard for a serious crime with serious consequences. Next comes the opinion of a counsellor with a social work background uh, who raised the following four good points. Uh, Point number one, perhaps I've put too much focus on caution and safety. Point number two, uh, at some stage I say counter-indicated when I meant to say contra-indicated. Point number three, uh, I've done a good job apparently of talking about set and setting. Uh, So that's the question, listener, of um, who you are with when you do drugs and where you do those drugs, what, what environment you're in. Set and setting. And point four is that I could have put more emphasis on the fun things, like the reasons why people are experimenting with MDMA. So there you go. Um, A lawyer saying don't do this at all, and a counsellor saying this is good but too conservative, you need to say more. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, life. Good luck trying to please everyone. So with the hope that I've managed to strike a fair and reasonable middle ground, let's get into altered states together. Jeez, that came out wrong. I didn't mean to imply that you and I should, um, you know, let's just play the tape already. Hey folks, today I'd like to talk you through what I call an altered states date. First, let's describe an altered state. Uh, So borrowing from the world of psychology here, an altered state is a state that is not like the state of mind that you are normally in. So, for instance, you can be in an altered state from being extremely tired uh, or from perhaps having a whole lot of exercise or sometimes sex, all of those things have the potential to change your state of mind or state of being and could be regarded as an altered state. And of course, another way to get to an altered state is through the use of alcohol and other drugs. And what I'm calling an altered state's date is specifically a date that you have with uh, someone you know and trust very well, uh, including the use of MDMA. And so I've been in a bit of a dilemma for honestly the last couple of years around the question of to talk about this or not to talk about it. Um, On the one side, I can't legally or ethically recommend something that is illegal and that includes health and potentially life risks. But on the other hand, People are anyway doing this and will keep doing this, and I believe in harm minimization, which is the philosophy that teaches that if um, you just say no to something, um, people are going to do it anyway, and they're going to do it using the information they have. And if as part of just saying no, we don't provide any information on how to do things well, then people tend to do it and do it with a higher rate of harm and injury. 
Uh, this We see this in the world of sex education all the time. There's much more mess that flows from communities and cultures uh, who send a message along the lines of just say no, because, of course, everyone's going to have sex anyway. Uh, so it's better to do uh, these things with an education uh, also, specifically in this case, I know that a lot of people are wanting more from what's often called the love drug, like it has that reputation for a reason. And uh, yeah, like I have some suggestions uh, and it seems crazy not to steer people towards uh, getting more of uh, what they want and to do so with less risk uh, if I'm in a position to do so. And especially given that, as I say, people are going to be doing it anyway. So, the position I've arrived at is I am not recommending drugs, and MDMA in particular, to you. Uh, they are illegal. They bring side effects that can seriously damage your health and well-being, which I'd like to talk more about in a moment. Also, I don't know if I mentioned, but they're illegal. Uh, but if you are doing them anyway, and I see from data that uh, it looks like about 11% of Australians identify as uh, having done MDMA, and particularly if you are doing it for love or relationship reasons, then sure, I have some suggestions. Um, but I stress again, MDMA is illegal, and I am not recommending you take it. If you do decide, or if you're already taking MDMA, then you need to do your own research. I am no expert. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not medically trained, I'm not pharmaceutically trained, and everything I say should be ignored. Um, seriously, just always remember, uh, I am just some random person you found on the internet, and I shouldn't be given any more credit than that. Do your own research, uh, so like do a search on the web uh, for things like MDMA safety and MDMA risks, and uh, make your decisions from there. And if you're uncomfortable with the idea of me doing this episode, uh, and I admit there's a part of me that was uh, still, you know, not entirely convinced, um, I think this is the thing that swayed me. I make jokes on this show often about alcohol. Uh, you have literally heard me consume the stuff on air. Uh, and alcohol is by any and every measure far more dangerous to you and the people around you than MDMA. So if you want to call me out for being appropriate with this episode about MDMA, then let's start with my frankly cavalier attitude towards alcohol. There's your problem, ma'am. So, with those things said and done, uh, let's have a look at where I would like to go with you uh, this next little while. So chapter one was your introduction, chapter two's now your plan for the day. Chapter three would be risks, dangers, and the reasons not to do this. Chapter four would be reasons why some people might do this. Chapter 5 is all about quantities and specifics. Then we move on to Chapter 6, which is planning. Uh, and then we're into the uh, actual 
uh, day of the altered states itself, chapter 7 onwards. So what to do in the morning and uh, throughout the day. Uh, quite a few details there, and then we'll finish up with uh, how to finish the day and how to uh, look at after each other afterwards, and then I'll just have uh, a couple of closing comments. So for a lot of today, I'm talking about this in the context of an altered state state, and I'm sort of making the assumption that you and a person that you are romantically involved with are doing this together. Uh, this approach to altered states uh, would work for, you know, someone that you've got a uh, friendly, playful kind of a relationship with as well. Uh, doesn't have to be a partner or a sexual thing. So let's get into chapter three, which is the many, many risks, dangers and reasons not to do this. And by this, uh, the, the risks I'm going through here are more specifically to the idea of um, doing something like MDMA during the day, uh, relatively free from or where the focus isn't on alcohol as well. Uh, as opposed to the way people often do uh, MDMA, which is more as a party drug, which brings uh, a whole whole range of its own risks. So um, one risk is that um, you don't always know what your MDMA consists of, and this is particularly the case if you have pills, uh, commonly called ecstasy pills, and uh, yeah, MDMA is the main or the active ingredient uh, in ecstasy pills. But yeah, it's very hard to know with you, uh, what's actually in your pills, so that's a risk. Another risk is of you saying yes to things that you wouldn't normally say yes to. So you can actually non-consent yourself uh, when you're in an altered state. Uh, so you need a lot of trust with yourself and you also need a lot of trust with the uh, person you're with. More on that a little bit. Another risk is physical reactions and possibly overdose. And I'll quote from a website called drugabuse.gov. So this would be uh, a United States site. Quote, MDMA can also cause a number of acute adverse health effects. For example, while fatal overdoses on MDMA are rare, they can potentially be life-threatening, with symptoms including high blood pressure or hypertension, faintness, panic attacks, and in severe cases, a loss of consciousness and seizures. End quote. I think that speaks well for itself. Again, go and do further research yourself there. Uh, another risk is the idea of a bad trip. Um, this is a concept that more relates to psychedelics like uh, LSD or acid or uh, magic mushrooms or psilocybin. Um, in the context of MDMA, um, a bad trip is um, perhaps not so dramatic. Um, if, for instance, you come into the day very tired, then the whole day might just be something of a letdown and you'll be in uh, neutral or slightly less happy thoughts. Um, in this context, a bad trip might also be uh, realising you have a lack of trust in the uh, company you're with. Uh, you might get let down by your own expectations, uh, which is highly possible because every drug experience is very random. 
Um, and you might also find your mind getting consumed uh, with uh, questions around, have you had too much? Um, do you need to have more? All those sorts of things. Another risk is around not having enough water or having too much water um, because the body tends to run warmer and because uh, people on MDMA are often being quite a lot more active than they normally are. So or sometimes um, they can either dehydrate uh, or overcompensate by having too much water. Um, and the solution there is to aim for something approximately like uh, one litre per hour. Uh, it's actually, yeah, not that hard to keep that in the Goldilocks zone. Another risk is if you are on SSRIs, antidepressants, uh, that's uh, absolutely counterindicated to any use of MDMA, reason being the SSRIs clamp down on your body's capacity to, um, this is not medical language, but clamp down on your ability to process much of what's in the MDMA. Uh, so you get a very minor or moderate effect, uh, and people often make the mistake of having a whole lot more uh, of the drug to compensate. Um, and meanwhile, their body's moving into uh, something resembling an overdose or some other physically problematic state. So as always, do your own research. Um, but yeah, uh, SSRIs, uh, and I'm not sure, possibly many other antidepressants are very much counterindicated, not indicated, not a good idea. Another risk, and this is hardly a risk, but um, a risk is that uh, you'll uh, just spend the whole time chatting in conversation with whoever you're with, uh, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You'll love those conversations. That'll be really fun, uh, except I want to propose to you that so much more is possible, uh, which is what uh, Unaltered State State is about. Uh, so not a huge risk, but um, yeah, I certainly know that um, some people get quite chatty. Another risk is drop. So drop is the psychological condition where um, what goes up, you know, pretty much has to come down. Um, the way MDMA and other drugs work is they heavily draw down on your supply of happy chemicals. And you can tell by the fact that I call them your happy chemicals that I'm not medically trained. Once your once the drug starts to move out of this your system and your body realizes that it is out of balance, it will rectify that situation and sometimes swing you into negative territory, or you might just simply uh, deplete your supply of happy chemicals. And for most people, this looks like a flatness of mood uh, about two, maybe three days uh, after you take MDMA. Uh, it's a great day to uh, not take yourself too seriously and to look after yourself by hydrating well and eating well and getting lots of sleep. Um, and one of the best ways to mitigate against drop is to look after yourself at the time, which is one of the reasons I'm proposing that you do this during the day and don't make alcohol the focus of what you're doing. Because when we experience drop, a lot of that is um, actually just uh, lack of sleep. And, uh, and a hangover. Another risk is what I'm going to call reaction and backlash. Um, so, like, not terribly common, uh, but I have seen, I, I know of examples of where 
someone steps well over their edge and has uh, some extraordinary experiences at the time and then has an internal backlash uh, when they get back to normal reality because uh, they've sort of overextended themselves. Uh, I'll talk a little more about the psychological edge in just a moment. My suggestion here is if you think you are at risk of something like this, then get the opinion of your counsellor or therapist if you have one. And I would suggest that if you are already prone to um, mood disorders or major mood swings or depression, or certainly if you have suicidal thoughts, um, then MDMA would seem to be a very bad idea. Another risk is that over the course of time, it seems that heavy use uh, can have impacts on the function of your brain, uh, such as things like um, uh, memory, uh, possibly your uh, IQ or, or useful intelligence. Um, we're talking about quite heavy use, way beyond um, the quantities I'm suggesting today, but every brain is beautiful and every brain is different. So you definitely need to be aware of those risks. And again, do your own research there. Next risk is around addiction. Uh, MDMA is generally described as a low addiction risk. Uh, by all of the literature. However, um, my perspective is that you can get addicted to anything, and I mean literally anything. Uh, anything that is starting to take up so much of your time or your attention uh, that it is coming at the expense of your relationship with yourself or your relationship with other people or, or your capacity to work or study or anything like that. Uh, anything at all can be an addiction. And so from my perspective, I'd have to say, yeah, the experience of being on MDMA uh, is, of course, potentially addictive. Um, I would do some uh, self-inquiry there as to what you think your risks are with regards to addiction. Next risk is what's called serotonin syndrome. Um, one of the ways that MDMA works is uh, by seriously changing the levels of serotonin uh, in your system. Uh, and uh, again, my understanding is that um, for people that are engaging in very heavy quantities, uh, you run some risks of causing some uh, semi-permanent or possibly permanent uh, damage to your balance, your, your body's capacity to um, produce or use serotonin. Um, that's a bad outcome. So, uh, yeah, again, do your research there. But my understanding is that that's something that happens to heavy and frequent users uh, of uh, MDMA. Uh, so, in summary, there's a lot of risks there. And uh, MDMA is uh, basically a bad idea for a lot of people, or perhaps most people. And again, do your own research. Do a search on MDMA risks. Chapter 4, Reasons Why Some People Might Choose to Do Something Like This. So again, I'm quoting from the website drugabuse.gov that states, quote, A person may experience the intoxicating effects of MDMA within 45 minutes or so after taking a single dose. Those effects include an enhanced sense of well-being, 
increased extroversion, emotional warmth, empathy towards others, and a willingness to discuss emotionally charged memories. In addition, people report enhanced sensory perception as a hallmark of the MDMA experience. End quote. So like, I don't want to paraphrase that too badly, but said differently, uh, you've got there the ingredients for a potentially great date with someone you know and trust very well. I want to talk with you a little about the concept of a psychological edge and how it works. Um, the way it was taught to me is between our sort of known self and our unknown self. So our, our known self is our, you know, the part of ourselves that we know that is normally for sort of cautious and a bit more day to day. And then our unknown self is our emerging self, uh, often our more adventurous self, although not necessarily. But anyway, between those two parts of ourself, we've got something that we call an edge or the edge. As we go through life, we are constantly navigating that edge. It's sort of a, an ongoing battle. It doesn't have to be a battle, but it's an ongoing negotiation between those parts of ourself. Uh, you might say between our ego and uh, our adventurous self. And in some ways, it sort of has to be a battle or at least a negotiation. We are often looking for new experiences, experiences that are over our edge. Uh, and alcohol and other drugs certainly give us the promise of a massive experience uh, over our edge. Uh, when you're on, on drugs and on uh, MDMA in particular, your ego can cope with much more than it usually can. Uh, so by that I mean uh, feedback and conversations and honest self-reflection. Um, even compliments and attention and love. Uh, we're normally quite protected against all that sort of stuff and quite well defended, uh, but MDMA gives us the possibility to be well over that edge. And being too far over that edge is not necessarily a, um, a great thing. Uh, I suggest that uh, if this sort of thing is of interest to you, you don't want to blunder miles over the edge because you'll just forget the experience. It's too far away from your regular everyday identity. So it's more likely to be forgotten or just not integrated. You want to aim for new experiences, but not excessively new. And so I think um, anytime we are over an edge, um, some of that experience stays with us and some of it uh, doesn't. But that's just the same as any activity, uh, like for instance, doing yoga or having great sex or even just having an unusual and extraordinary conversation. Uh, like just for a period of time, you are well over your edge, uh, almost in an altered state. Uh, and then as you get back to your regular life, you know, a degree of that experience comes back with you, not all of it, uh, but that's okay. I think that when we're talking about achieving altered states through uh, drugs like MDMA, uh, I think the more intentionally and the more deliberately we do it, uh, and without too much excess, um, the more of that experience over our edge we're able to bring back into our regular life. And um, as I've said, this is all just purely my opinion, and I'm just some random person you found on the internet. 
Um, so feel free to ignore all of it. Uh, there does, however, seem to be some emerging research that backs up uh, something along the lines of what I've just been saying. Um, there was a period where re uh, psychological research using drugs uh, like MDMA was um, not possible, was, was, was banned and made illegal. Uh, things are loosening up in that department and research is being conducted. Uh, and in particular, there seems to be some interesting work that's being done for people suffering from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, and MDMA seems to be working in some cases uh, to relieve those symptoms and give people better lives. And to the extent that I understand that research, which is to say not much, but um, the things that motivate me behind something like an altered state state are very similar to the things that are motivating those researchers around um, uh, their use for things like PTSD. So circling back around to um, potential benefits in relationship, uh, I think an altered state state gives, creates a space to process relationship issues creates the opportunity to be very near to someone, very intimate, and it creates the possibility to talk about things that can't normally be spoken about. Uh, and you can do that with a lot less resistance or pushback from your ego or your everyday identity. Another potential re reason is around sexuality, uh, by which I mean you're in a position to try things with a freedom and just a detached sense of curiosity that you wouldn't normally have um, you might find yourself loving parts of your body and your partner's body that you're normally not so good with. Um, the experience also can bring just a great deal of confidence with it. Uh, and another great one, I think, is to have less shame around boundaries and no's. So what I mean by that is most of us find it quite hard to say no when an offer is made of us. Uh, and that's partly tied up in our ego wanting to come across as being a nice person and not offend the other one and so forth. Being in an altered state, thanks to MDMA, um, often gives us uh, just much more simple freedom um, to say no and not get all caught up around that. So it can be good boundary work. And lastly, on the reasons why one might do something like this, um, there might be potential benefits around self-development. So getting new perspectives and understandings uh, about yourself uh, to forgive and understand other people that you've been in conflict or disagreement with. Chapter 5. Quantities and Specifics. So what I'm talking about when I talk about an altered state state, uh, I'm talking about a very carefully measured dose of MDMA, uh, not leaving anything to chaos or chance, starting in the middle of the day uh, and where the experience has been set up very intentionally uh, with just two people, although you, know, you could potentially do this with more, but for these purposes, let's just say two people, and where alcohol is very carefully managed, so where al alcohol is not the focus. Um, this is very much in contrast to how people normally do MDMA, which tends to be later at night, 
uh, often somewhat randomly, so not always with much sort of pre-thought or pre-meditation. Often with or after quite a bit of alcohol has been consumed and often in less safe places. So these are very different experiences uh, I'm describing to the point of being being almost like completely different drugs and with very different risks associated with them. Um, so as I mentioned before, MDMA is the main ingredient in ecstasy pills. Um, MDMA normally comes as small crystals, which are a little like salt crystals before you put them through the salt grinder. Uh, you need to do something similar with MDMA, um, so get it into a powder form, uh, and that's uh, a little outside the scope of what I can legally describe to you. So um, maybe ask your parents about how to do that or uh, check the internet. Uh, yeah, otherwise it's going to sound like I'm coaching you. MDMA is typically sold by the gram, which is equal to 1,000 milligrams. Uh, a typical ecstasy pill might have about 125 milligrams of MDMA in it. Um, as I've said, you don't have tight control over the quantities uh, of what's in a pill, so they're not that great for what I'm proposing today. It's important we have exact control over uh, quantity. Pills are for parties. So do your own research in terms of what dosages might be appropriate for you according to your body weight and just generally what you know about yourself. Uh, but I will assume for the uh, sake of today that we're talking about aiming for a dose of 125 milligrams. And it's important that you take this step really carefully because you don't want too much uh, of the gear uh, and uh, you don't want too, too little either. You want to hit that Goldilocks zone. If you have too much, um, you need to move up a long way up the scale. So I'm talking 500 milligrams before you start moving into overdose territory. Um, but a long way before that, if you just have slightly too much, uh, your nervous system will start to uh, freak out a little bit. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to sit there and hang out and uh, wait until it passes. That only takes half an hour. Um, but it's when you're in that state where you've had a little bit too much, it's actually very hard to connect with yourself or connect with the person you're with. So momentarily, the drug will have the opposite of the effect you are hoping for. Um, you don't, uh, you don't want to have too little either, um, although that's definitely the better risk to run. Uh, if you have too little, you'll spend uh, a lot of time wondering uh, if you need to keep topping up. And uh, yeah, that'll sort of start to become the focus of your experience rather than just enjoying yourself. But, you know, particularly if you're new to this stuff or if you're unsure, then you should absolutely err on the smaller side of things and uh, get, get to know your body in relation to the drug that way. If you happen to have access to measuring scales, then use them and uh, measure out your gear. Uh, if you don't have scales, then start by dividing the MDMA powder in half, which will give you two little piles of about 500 milligrams. Divide one of them in half again, which will give you two little piles of 250 milligrams. 
and then divide one of those piles in half again and you've got two doses of about 125 milligram. If you don't know what you're doing or if you're in any kind of doubt here then don't take risks uh, get more information um yeah find someone who does know and um and do go through the whole plan some other day likewise if you don't know or trust the gear you've got you've got questions around its you know purity or quality uh, either check it out with a testing kit or maybe try just a super tiny amount and see what happens well, we're talking about quantities, um, please be aware of the law of diminishing returns. So particularly after you've had your initial quantities, um, as the hours tick by, it can be tempting to keep topping up and having more and more. But you need to know that the benefits start to go down quite quickly, but the impacts that the drug has on your body continues to go up. So... After a while, your body uh, starts to um, become aware that uh, there's something going on which is not normal and it'll start to cut down the availability of serotonin and happy chemicals and whatever. Um, however, you're still paying the price for your body having to process um, some admittedly harsh and unusual chemicals in your body. So yeah, just be aware of the law of diminishing returns and resist the temptation to attempt to continue to stretch out the experience. Yeah, so I spoke before a little around what overshooting and undershooting looks like. Uh, I just want to speak a little more to what it's like to have a little bit too much MDMA. Uh, yeah, you might become hot and sweaty and get a faster heartbeat. Uh, your nervous system is uh, basically uh, upregulated or overregulated. Uh, it also means, by the way, it's very hard to get in touch or almost impossible to get in touch with anything resembling arousal. So pussies don't get wet, cocks don't get hard, uh, and you just don't feel that sense of connection. Uh, one of the realities of sexuality and sensuality is you need to be reasonably calm uh, to get aroused and having a little bit too much of MDMA is not what you'd call calming. So if that happens to you, uh, just forget about uh, sex that requires um, arousal or anything like that and do other things. Uh, you can still very much enjoy a hand massage or a back scratch or whatever else. And just before I finish up on this chapter around quantities and specifics, I just want to say one of the reasons that I like this approach is that it takes drugs very seriously. Uh, this is not about a drunken spur of the moment decision. Uh, this is about respecting that drugs are really full on substances and should be done rarely and with a lot of intention and deliberateness. And just that in itself, like that approach in itself, uh, avoids uh, many of the risks. Okay, chapter six, planning. So pick the person that you're going to do with this very carefully. You need to have a lot of trust. Um, uh, and, and by trust, I mean uh, to be seen vulnerably and very intimately. Uh, you need to be able to trust the person you're with. Uh, you also need to trust that the two of you are going to be able to clean up any whoopsies uh, because 
miscommunications and um, misunderstandings, uh, they definitely happen when you're in an altered state. Uh, so you need to be confident that you've got the strength of relationship and enough trust uh, to be able to clean up any little whoopsies there. Uh, and also to handle embarrassments. Um, so what I mean by that is when you're in an altered state, you are free to do things and enjoy yourself in a way that you normally wouldn't. Uh, and sometimes uh, you can have a little reaction around that. So an example that comes to mind for me is I remember once um, I uh, was witnessing someone in an altered state who just really wanted to dry hump the arm of a couch. Um, and at the time for them, there was something that's just like the thing they wanted to do. Uh, they were having the time of their life. And there's also something profound and moving about that for them. I forget the details. And I just thought it was gorgeous. I just thought it's, it's so lovely seeing someone just doing what they want to do. But uh, afterwards, they had a big uh, reaction and self-criticism around that. So it was nice that we had the trust in uh, our relationship, that I could uh, normalise that for them and get rid of their embarrassment. So, yeah, that's why you need trust. You also need a viable communication platform between the two of you. You need to be able to communicate well. Uh, I don't think this is a good idea for people who aren't communicating well. And so using those communication skills, um, my suggestion is to discuss your intentions and hopes uh, and also your fears for the day um, quite openly beforehand. Um, I know that many of you are familiar with the consent cards that Curious Creatures produces. And I suggest uh, at the point in time where you're talking about this as an idea, that's a really good idea to go through the consent card. Uh, to make sure you're on the same page and give your give yourself the the best chance of having the day go according to what you want. So just to quickly fly through those consent card questions. Uh, question one: How are we doing? That's probably more a question for the day rather than planning. Question two: What's our brief description of what we're planning to do? Question three: Why is this play interesting to us, and what do we want to get out of it? That's such a good question, because uh, uh, yeah, you won't always have the same sort of intentions, and so good to get aligned around that. Question four: How could we make it even better than we've planned? Question five: What are our limits? What's not on offer? Uh, such a great question when you're going into an altered state state because. Uh, when you're in an altered state, as I mentioned before, you can almost like non-consent yourself because you become agreeable to more than you normally would. So it's good to get an understanding of what's not on offer um, when you are still sober and straight. Question six, is the pleasure for both of us or mainly just for one of us? Um, the answer to that question for an altered state state has to be that it's for both of you. you you're in this one together. Question seven. Do we both agree that either of us can stop things at any time for any reason? Of course you do. Question eight, if something isn't great, do we both commit to asking for what we'd prefer? Of course you do. Question nine, what are our safer sex methods? Again, great question to have on the table there because we don't always make the best decisions when we're in an altered state. Question 10, do we agree on using the traffic light safe words of green, orange, and red? Yes, of course you do. 
Question 11. If we've just met, should we let a friend know where we're going? Question 12. If we're not sober, is this an activity we'd agree to if we were sober? I actually think for these purposes, that's too complicated. I think you need to plan an altered state state when you are dead set 100% sober. Um, take these things seriously. Uh, question 13. Would we like to proceed? And as always, check for congruence and explore any uncertainty. So yeah, go through those questions and you are well primed to uh, get the most out of the day and for it to be safe and appropriate and enjoyable. So still on the topic of planning, uh, pick your date. If you've got a typical working or studying week of like Monday to Friday, then starting at midday on a Saturday is probably good for most people. Either way, make sure you don't have much in the way of responsibilities for the next uh, next day and ideally the next couple of days. Uh, I personally think you should start at midday so that you can all be done and dusted and finished up in time for your normal sleep pattern, which means you're going to avoid much in the way of drop and damage to your health and other negative consequences. Um, so yeah, just to really spell that out, if you start at about midday, uh, by the time you check in and um, divide up the gear and so forth um, you'll be altered by about one o'clock uh, you might have a little top up at about like maybe three o'clock and you'll be starting to come back to sobriety by maybe like six o'clock seven o'clock and uh, all nicely tucked up and in bed and ready for nine eyes at like nine or ten o'clock pick your place your venue so it has to be comfortable and it has to feel safe and you need to be able to make a little bit of noise, like maybe put some music on and have a dance, or just have a good laugh out loud. And yeah, with all of these things around planning, you might have heard it said uh, with regards to drugs that place and space, uh, or set and setting, is half of the deal. And I really agree with that. I mentioned before that doing MDMA the way I'm describing it is almost a completely different drug to doing MDMA uh, late at night after alcohol. Uh, yeah. So chapter seven is the day itself, the altered states day of the date. My suggestion is in the morning, touch base with each other and make sure that you're both in the right kind of mood for doing something like this? Does it still feel like it's a good idea to proceed? Uh, and definitely check for congruence in both of you here um, and respectfully inquire about any signals that either of you have got that this might not be a good idea. Uh, if you're not well slept or if you're not well, uh, then now's the time to say so. Um, because that might mean that you're in for a smaller and quieter and gentler day, or it might also mean that it's a better idea to leave it for another time. These are great conversations, by the way. Uh, even if the outcome is that you decide not to go ahead, they're still really important, useful conversations. Hey there, listener. I'd like to make you a little proposal. I love making this podcast for free because it helps me spread the word about sex positivity. 
but I could use your help in spreading the word just by sharing this episode if that's not too absurd. For every 10 stories that you listen to, please recommend it to someone that might like it too. <laughs> this is not a real contract, for you got no say. I would if I could frame it some other way. And if sharing's not for you, that's fine. There's nothing to do. Please listen without guilt to this podcast I built. So assuming you're getting up to somewhere around midday uh, when you're starting, measure up your gear. Uh, I personally, I like to have that first dose in my belly uh, rather than sticking it up my nose uh, because I believe that makes for, well, it does make for a slower and longer experience uh, with a gentler and slower sort of come on. Uh, so I can adjust and adapt my body can adjust and adapt to what's happening. Uh, also, there's more risks involved in sticking things up your nose. So I avoid that if I can. If you're used to taking larger quantities in a party environment, uh, just bear in mind that in this kind of context, you don't need as much as you normally need because you don't have so much in the way of distractions and things. Uh, also, you're not wanting to get trashed. Uh, you're just wanting a uh, sort of a moderate experience. I like to bring in a little bit of ritual with the way I take the powder. Uh, I like to put it in the bottom of a shot glass uh, with uh, a little bit of water and then use a chopstick uh, to crush it down and make sure it's mixed in. And as I'm doing that, I speak out loud my intentions for my day with uh, just like, you know, in, in front of the other person. So sort of take it in turns to do that. And there's a really nice visual to that. Uh, and there's a really nice ritual to it. Helps to really like put you in the zone. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I like to drink that. And of course, it tastes absolutely disgusting. Uh, but there's even there's something important in that as well. That's a reminder to my body that this is not a normal or natural substance. Uh, and then I like to very quickly follow it up with a shot of something like Frangelico or Kahlua as a chaser, just to uh, clean out the mouth. <laughs> And so from there, you've got something like uh, half an hour, maybe up to an hour uh, before the MDMA kicks in. Um, at this point in time, get a whiteboard. And I'm absolutely serious. Get a whiteboard or perhaps like, you know, a bit of large bit of paper or something like that. And start writing down all of the things that you've thought of throughout the week or that morning or that you're thinking of now that you might like to do with each other. Uh, think of it as just a brainstorm. So write up everything, even if they're wildly unrealistic for the day, just everything that you can imagine you might like to do uh, with yourself or with the other person. So write them down and you can decide later. And my suggestion is to include like everything, include things that just sound like they could be fun, uh, include things that you've heard about that other people have done in similar situations, uh, include things that would include, that would extend your sexuality or your connection with this person or your sense of expression or your relationship. So I don't know, um, some of those examples might include like dance, 
because dancing's fun. Um, erotic movement or erotic dance. You might uh, swap yoga moves. So one person does a yoga move, you both copy. Um, I don't know, all of those favorite sex things, sex moves or sex activities that you like. Uh, reading poetry or erotic literature to each other. Listening to music. Body image, show and tell, could be like super fun and super therapeutic. So, you know, like what part of your body are you not so comfortable with? Let's have a look and let's let's witness that. Uh, Dress-ups is always super fun on this kind of drug. Uh, the touch game called How Could This Be More Perfect or How Could This Touch Be More Perfect, uh, which you can learn about from other podcasts, other podcast episodes. Uh, and yeah, any other game or activity or specific ideas that come to mind, just trust your intuition and write them down. There's a couple of specific suggestions I've got that I think you almost like should include. Um, so these are good structured activities for short attention spans. And when you're on MDMA, you're going to have a short attention span at times. Um, so yeah, one activity, be, uh, one activity would be indulgent time in the middle. Uh, this is especially good if you've got more than two people that you're playing with. Um, so one person asks for what they want, and if the other two people are into it, then that's what happens for a couple of minutes, um, and then you move on to the next person. Uh, if there's just the two of you, then yeah, we normally call this the two-minute game, and it's a spectacular game. Yeah, one person says what they want to have happen, and if the other person's into it, you set the timer running and off you go. And then you swap, and then you swap, and then you swap. And the joy of the two-minute game is that it doesn't need to be anything that remotely looks like sex. But, you know, depending on what's going on, it might be. Um, and it means that the two of you stay in sort of lockstep with each other. It really keeps you very much on the same page. Another suggestion I'd strongly recommend is playing Q&A, which is where one person asks a question and then the uh, other person answers, and then the person that asked the question answers their own question, uh, and then it's the next person's uh, question, and you just keep swapping backwards and forwards like that. Uh, you can play that game for hours. And if you're on MDMA, it can be great territory to play what I call relationship-based Q&A. So you ask questions uh, more deliberately uh, that are uh, relating to the relationship. I'll um, talk more about that in a second. Uh, also, while you're brainstorming on your whiteboard, write down some things that you might like to do, do as part of your cool-down process by which I mean, you know, like go for a walk if it's safe to do so, uh, watch a film, listen to a podcast together, lie in the bathtub. Yeah, whatever whatever seems like it might be nice to do towards the end of the day. So now that you've got your list, uh, and depending on how long that took you, uh, you might even be starting to uh, feel the uh, impacts of the drug. But uh, yeah, now that you've got your list, you might want to put a line through anything that feels like it might be a hard limit uh, or just like too complicated for today uh, and perhaps put circles around the stuff that's strongly of interest to the both of you or whatever. 
and of course you can keep on adding to that list throughout the day as more ideas come to mind. And the idea there is that when you are in an altered state, uh, sometimes it can be hard coming up with ideas of what you want to do next. Uh, so all you have to do is you just look at the whiteboard and something will jump out at you and just feel like the absolutely perfect thing to do. Uh, you also tend to have a pretty short attention span when you're on MDMA, which means you're going to get to a natural pause pretty often. So yeah, it's great to have a list to choose from. Keeps things flowing. Um, also, yeah, like this is a, a sort of a very structured approach. Uh, there's nothing wrong with just sitting around with someone and chatting for a few hours. That can be super fun. Uh, it's just that it's more fun and you get more from the experience if you add in that little bit of structure. You get much more out of your investment. Uh, so, yeah, as soon as you've got your list sorted out, then uh, go right ahead and begin. Um, and so I described that I think Q&A is something that definitely needs to be on your list. Uh, I think I've described it reasonably well. Uh, I just want to stress what an opportunity it is, um, particularly given that MDMA can give you experiences over your edge and the capacity to have conversations and do things in your relationship that wouldn't normally be possible. So relationship-based questions might be something like, um, let's say person one says like, what do you like or love about the other person? So uh, person two will be answering uh, what they like or love about person one. And then person number one will be answering about what they like or love about person two. So that's just a beautiful little exchange. Uh, and then it's time for the next question, which would come from person two. Uh, another question could be, how does this person inspire you? What have you learned from this person? Tell the story of what it was like when you met this person. What do you wish for, for this person? That's a sweet question. And um, yeah, because you're a little little freer from your ego, if you're up for a bit of relationship adventure, then, then try stuff like, um, is there anything that you would like to apologize to this person for? Or uh, if you were to break up with this person, why would that be? Or um, is there anything you need this person to know about you? Um, yeah, and obviously with all these questions, both both parties are answering in turn. Uh, uh, they don't really work so well as one-way questions because uh, that means that one person is left quite exposed. Um, yeah. I also wanted to speak a little about the value of the two-minute game. Uh, again, when you are over your edge and when you're able to have new experiences and be more adventurous, uh, it can be incredibly powerful therapy to just trust the requests that you come up with um, and sort of trust that that is your psychology or your subconscious having the experience that it wants to happen. Um you might find yourself asking for things that are a little unusual, and that's not to say they necessarily need to be overtly sexual things or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's just a great spot to vulnerably and perhaps innocently ask for the things you want. Knowing that some of it is being saved and some of it will be taken back into your regular life. 
So moving on, let's say we're about one hour into one hour since you uh, had the MDMA. Um, you're probably high by now. Um, keep drinking about one liter of water per hour and keep looking back to the whiteboard every time you reach some kind of a pause or are not sure what to do. And of course, as always, use your safe words. Just say red anytime something doesn't feel right. Two hours in to your journey, uh, it might be time to top up if that's something you're planning on doing. Um, eh, my suggestion is if, if you have agreed, if you had planned on having a bit of a top up, then you might as well do so as soon as you notice yourself starting to um, plateau off your initial high. Uh, so check in with each other if you haven't already. Uh, if you're already playing Q&A, that kind of a structure, then a great question, a great way to do it is just to slip in a question of how are you going right now and where do you want to go from here? Uh, for me, if I'm going to top up, I generally like about half of the original dose, but this time uh, up the nose just because uh, it's quicker. That makes a little more sense. Uh, and perhaps if you are planning on um, including alcohol uh, in your day, um, then it's great if you can hold out until at least now before starting to drink. And uh, if you are drinking, just be mindful. Don't let it become the focus. Don't get drunk. Four hours after your initial um, consumption, uh, remember the law of diminishing returns. Uh, it can be tempting to keep on topping up, but you're going to get progressively less benefit and more in the way of negative side effects. So, yeah, recognize when it's time to start thinking about chilling out and getting a bit more cozy and snuggly and uh, some of those more like come down activities on your whiteboard list. Moving ahead to later that evening, uh, at some stage when you're more towards the sober side, then uh, debrief the day. Um, the classic debrief questions are uh, um, question one what went well? What went as expected? What was easy? Uh, question two, uh, what didn't go as you were expecting? Uh, what would you have liked to have done differently? Or if there was to be another time, what would you do differently next time? And lastly, question three, really important, what do you like about this person? Like what's been good about sharing the day with them? What have you liked about what they brought to the exchange? If the two of you are not staying together overnight, uh, then get really super serious about how transport is going to happen. Uh, make sure you're both sober enough to deal with any problems that might arise, like losing your keys or dealing with a dodgy Uber driver or going to a home where your housemates unexpectedly turn up or anything like that. And don't let a bent person out of your company if you're the one staying put. Uh, if one of you is leaving, it uh, can be a good strategy to stay on the phone with each other for literally the whole journey, uh, or at least text each other every, I don't know, whatever, five or ten minutes uh, until the other person is home. Personally, at the end of a big day, I really like listening to classical music or watching nature or space documentaries uh, where there's lots of visuals and, and lofty space concepts and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, just like uh, trust your body with regards to what you want and when you want it.
the next day and for the next two days, uh, just make sure you check in with each other around drop. Uh, it's great just to remind each other that drop is a thing. Um, that in itself generally gives you the permission you need to not take anything too seriously. Uh, and also again, yeah, exercise uh, is a really good way to reset a droppy system. Uh, hydration, uh, so drink, drink water. Uh, eat good food and, and eat regularly and uh, be careful about your alcohol consumption, etc. So last chapter, just by way of closing. This is hardcore stuff. Like, like this is not fun and games. Um, you know, on a regular date night, if um, you go out for dinner and go and see a film or whatever it is that people do, um, if you mess up the choice of dinner or film, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's not going to go too badly. But messing up an altered state state has much more in the way of risks. So, yeah, just be, be mindful and careful um, going into something like this. And again, a reminder, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not medically trained. I'm not trained in drugs and pharmaceuticals. Uh, absolutely nothing I say should be taken like I do know what I'm talking about, because I don't. Do your own research. But thanks for listening. So there you go, folks. That's my thoughts on MDMA and intimacy, or how to have an altered state state with someone. As I mentioned at the start, I've got two more external opinions for you uh, from people that have listened to what you've just listened to. Firstly, we'll go to the input from a medical doctor, and they wanted to make seven points. Point one is that what I've said about SSRIs applies more generally to antidepressants that increase serotonin, uh, thereby increasing the risk of serotonin syndrome or toxicity uh, when mixed with MDMA. Uh, and also bear in mind that St. John's wort is an SSRI as well. Point number two, uh, the literature on MDMA uh, from a medical perspective, doesn't really talk about cardiac medications, uh, probably because there's not likely to be a huge crossover of people taking both cardiac meds and MDMA. However, it's probably a big no, given the sympathetic nervous system effects. Point number three from the GP is that uh, similarly concerns with, and I'm going to quote here, um, quote, a particular class of liver enzymes that help break down the MDMA and meds that interfere with this, end quote. Um, but apparently that's of some note for medications that relate to the treatment of HIV. Point four is uh, similarly, anyone that's on hormone replacement treatment, such as those used for transitioning, uh, should be super aware and need to do further research. Point five is that hyponatremia, uh, which sort of means uh, too much or too little water, uh, is a real risk. Uh, it's a little more complicated than that, but the suggestion is that an isotonic drink might be worth considering. Um, but otherwise, in general, just have the same amount of water you'd have if you were doing that activity uh, when you're not in an altered state. So um, not much water if you're just sitting around and talking, uh, but more if you're involved in rigorous exercise. 
And can I just interrupt to say, well done to my GP colleague for finding a way to talk about sex without saying the word sex. That's not easy. Uh, Point number six is, uh, sorry to those of you with female bodies, but you are at higher risk of the above-mentioned hyponatremia, apparently due to various actions of estrogen on water retention, etc. On top of that, it seems possible that things like the drop that I talked about might be harder on you, and on top of that, if you're someone that has menstrual cycles, uh, then that might complicate both your experience on the drug and the after effects. And point number seven, the last point from our GP colleague, is that they are not recommending uh, anyone does MDMA, and they're also uh, not saying that there is such a thing as a safe way of doing MDMA. Uh, However, if someone's going to consume MDMA anyway, then doing it with the sense of intention and the purposeful and measured approach that um, I've been taking you through, um, then that person is less likely to become a frequent or casual or damaging regular kind of a user. Uh, The measured approach might, and we both stress the word might, have some benefits relating to self-development. Uh, Heavier use or frequent use, on the other hand, may leave you with persistent memory impairment and neuron toxicity. So sort of the opposite of self-development, really. And lastly, I ran this recording past a counsellor who is happy to be named. Uh, Fenella is from Between the Lines, and I'll put a link to her in the show notes. Uh, She's based in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Um, she's in the process of undertaking training in the use of MDMA for therapeutic uses through the MAPS program. Um, that's M-A-P-S, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes also. Um, in short, um, MAPS is doing some trials using MDMA to achieve some positive results in helping a variety of clients, particularly those with PTSD. Anyway, so Fenella had 10 points to make. So point number one, uh, yes, uh, this harm minimization approach is needed. Uh, People are doing drugs anyway, and they're not necessarily doing them well or safely. So this information will be helpful to many people. Yay. Uh, Point number two, uh, regarding the therapeutic uses, Fenella has this to say, um... MDMA was explored in the 1960s because the amygdala, that's the part of the brain that gives us our fear response, is completely or partially turned off. This means that we can face ideas or memories or conversations without the crippling fear that normally holds us back from difficult things. And to a degree, the experience is sticky, meaning that there might be lasting benefit uh, beyond the moment. Uh, I would add that this is why it's so good to have relationship conversations while on MDMA or to play around with your body issues or possibly have some sexual breakthroughs. Um, Yeah, as I mentioned during the recording. Point number three from Fenella. Uh, If you're at all unsure about the MDMA that you have access to, you can get a sort of $10 test kits that'll tell you uh, whether what you've got is dangerous or not. Um, I'm not going to recommend anything specific, but you can do a search on MDMA test kit. Point number four, 
If you want to explore the therapeutic side of this drug and how it's used, or if you just generally want more information around the things like recommended doses and aftercare, uh, do a search for the MAPS manual. MAPS is short for Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, MAPS. Point number five, if you're particularly concerned about drop or you, are, you already know that you are prone to it, uh, you might want to research tablets called 5-HTP. That's 5-HTP. Uh, they can help with mood regulation in the days afterwards. Point number six, and this is such a good point. I'm so glad Fenella raised it. Um, backlash is very real for some people. Uh, this can come from being very adventurous while you're in an altered state and then having a bit of a reality check when you come back to Earth and your usual fears and reservations kick back in. Um, this, in my opinion, is why you want to take a moderate approach to this whole thing in the first place uh, and choose the person you have an altered state state with very carefully. Um, because just being able to have a decent debrief afterwards um, is oftentimes all you need to undo any backlash or internal shame that you uh, wind up with. Uh, Fenella also suggests that this is why the people at MAPS are so big on having follow-up sessions with a counsellor. Point number seven is that there is uncertainty about how bad or how prevalent the negative effects of MDMA are, particularly on the brain. Uh, it's possible that the risks are overstated in the media. Point number eight, uh, MDMA is not addictive. However, if you use anything as a coping mechanism or as a crutch, then of course you will want to keep on using that thing uh, and that can become addictive. Uh, so that can be drugs, yes, uh, alcohol, shopping, gambling, etc., etc. Point number nine, um, if you're taking MDMA or any drug and anything goes wrong, uh, like if anyone has any kind of a bad reaction, then just call an ambulance. Uh, they will not involve the police and it is much better to be safe than sorry. And lastly, point number 10, uh, don't eat before you take drugs or MDMA in particular. Uh, if you have to eat, w uh, wait three to four hours before taking the MDMA. Uh, it can make you nauseous, so it's better to have less, in you, less food in your stomach. Uh, also, you might want to have chewing gum or chupa chups or lollipops, etc. on hand, as you may get a bit of a clenching jaw reaction from the amphetamine side of the MDMA. Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures. We work with the world in the areas of sexuality, self-development, and relationships. We achieve this by doing the following five things. One, we offer pre-recorded workshops that you can watch at any time in the privacy of your home. Two, we run online live workshops. Three, we run in-person workshops, mostly in Australia. Four, I offer counselling, specialising in the things you hear me talking about on this podcast. And five, we make our famous consent cards, which you can view for free online or purchase pretty cheaply. You can find out about all of these things at curiouscreatures.biz. The best way to stay in touch regarding workshops is to sign up to our free monthly mailing list. 
And we also have a forum for you to interact with other listeners of this podcast and the Curious Creatures community about all sorts of things. Go to forum.curiouscreatures.biz. And lastly, if you can think of anyone else that might enjoy this episode, please share it with them. My name is Rog. You're awesome. This episode was mixed by Aman Dembla. And thanks for listening.